So this morning, we're going to continue on this theme of the great commandment. So if you're here for the very first time or you're passing through, I met a couple from Taranaki that are well as just for the morning, which is awesome. So if you just hear what we've been eating, drinking, looking at is the great commandment. And we are sort of three messages or three food supplies in. And um, we're going to look more of that today. And really this message today is about identity. It's truly knowing who you are and what you have been called for and how you've been called to live. The Bible says live a life worthy of his calling. That's a fascinating statement. To live a life worthy of his call. Our lives are the evidence of something. Our behavior is the evidence of the God we know. And God wants, and God really cares about behavior. Did you know that? Behavior is really, really important to the Father. And what I'm going to talk to us about today, and I want to lay a foundation before I get there because it's very, very powerful. And I know it has the power to freak a whole lot of people out. I know it has the power to make a lot of people feel very insecure. Okay? So how many people know that you're loved by the Father? Put your hand up if you know that wholeheartedly. How many people know there is no condemnation in the Father? How many people know the Father wants you living in the fullness of his truth? And for that to happen, there's going to be change. Not so many hands now go up. (laughs) So we know we're his, yes? So that's settled in your heart and mind, yes? That you know he's your father, you're his son, and there's no way getting out of that family. Even if you want to, he's going to come find you. I tried to run away once and my dad come finding me. It was only for about 10 minutes. <laughs> I was sort of going home when I said I was going to run any family. So I want to lay that as a platform for what I'm about to say, okay? Because you need to know those things. Because what I'm about to say has the potential to make you feel insecure. Because it's going to ask questions of where you're really at. Can we go there? Will you let me ask those questions of you through the word and let the Holy Spirit ask you those questions? That's why I asked you, is it possible for you to have received the impossible? Is it possible for you as an individual to live a life that the Bible says you can live? See, if you don't think it's possible, it never will be your outcome. Because as we think, we speak. As we speak, we hear. And what we hear, we live out. So if I tell myself after what you've heard, or even as I get into one verse, no, there's no way that's possible. No, 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 no. Then if that remains your mindset, then your life will be the evidence of that no. Does that make sense? So we are his. We are sons. This is not about heaven and hell. This is about identity. And this is about being able to walk out through my abiding in the word a lifestyle that he says I can. 
But for me to do that, I must be in the word, not just being covered by the word. I must be in truth, not just covered by it. So that's why I said grace. Grace covers, but grace empowers. A lot of people know the grace that covers, but do you know the power of God that sets the captive free to propel you into the life so you can live out the life he calls you to live? See, that's a greater understanding or another aspect of grace that the church needs to come into. It's power. So there's a power in me now that helps me overcome the world, my flesh, and the enemy to live the life that he says I can live. I want my life to reflect the scriptures, do you? I want to look at the scriptures and go, I'm in that. Why? Because my father said I can be. So everything God does, he's for us, is for you and I, that we can receive the fullness of life, yes? Why? Firstly, so he can be glorified. The church is fully in the life that he says a son can know. You imagine that church. Imagine the glory that's being lifted to heaven. Imagine the praise. Imagine the generosity. Imagine the lives laid down. Imagine the presence that would that we'd experience in us and through us and around us. Because we are all in the full state. We're going towards this maturing of being sons. Be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. Yes? Imagine that. Can you see that? God would be glorified. Man, everything, you'd have words for people. People would be getting saved. People would be getting healed. People would have words. The love coming out of that church would just be... To God. God would be glorified. Then the church would be in the life that God calls the church to be in. This full life. Greg, I promise you, son, he who believes in me, as the scriptures say, from his innermost being will flow rivers of a living water. I want that. I've got that. I'm going after more of that. And if you don't go after it, I'm going to nick yours. (laughs) So go after your bit. So then the church is in this life and in the lost, look at the church and see God. There's no more evolution. There's no more theories. There's no why? Because God is love and God is God. And when God rocks up, it's a great party. And you've got to be really hard of heart to not want God. And that is a reality. But how many people are waiting for the church to become the church that Jesus Christ is the church is that then they would see and know Jesus was sent for them, John 17. It's full. My God is a big God. He has big plans. He has big plans for his church. Not little plans, not plans to scrape by, not plans that we just get in. No. He has overcoming plans. He has ruling and reigning plans. He has nations that want, he wants to rule over with you. These are the God, this is the God we worship, the God that's living and active. It's big. I can't fit him into my box. I need to jump into his box and be in his world and go, whoo, this is pretty big. It's called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, yes? So we are his, sealed, delivered today. Okay? So no throwing tomatoes. All right? Come with me to 1 John 2. 1 John 2, verse 3. 1 John 2, verse 3. Spirit of revelation, come right now and set us ablaze to be able to hear 
your word. Help me to deliver it, Father. You don't have to go there, but Matthew 19, 17. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Okay? This was to a rich young ruler. It said, how do I inherit eternal life? Not eternity with God just, but an eternal life now. A life now that has eternal substance. It has the substance of heaven being received, living from. Being built for an eternity, Okay? How do I receive this life? He said, keep the commandments. 1 John 2 verse 3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. By this we know that if we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Question, what does it mean to know him? We've been looking at that for about ever. <laughs> what does it really mean to know God? Because there's an outcome attached to it. And the outcome's pretty big. Okay? To keep the commandments, if you know what the commandments are, is a pretty big challenge. So the knowing of God enables you to keep the commandments. This is those who have come to know him. So there's a process. I read that. I read process. Those that have come to know him. But this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So the ability to do something in Christ is the evidence of our knowing. Does that make sense? So what does it mean to know him? I'm not talking about cognitive knowledge. I'm talking about experiential knowledge where you are captivated by the knowledge of God you have. You've been arrested from eating that food, and now you eat a different food. You were going this way in life, and then you encountered God, and now he spun you, and you're going that way. You're tasting of God, and you're being blessed, and your life is the demonstration of your knowing God, because Paul said it's upon the knowledge of God that everything shifts. And he said, I want to know him more and more and more. See, the more you know him, the hungrier you are to know him. It's that catch-22 thing. You want more and more and more and more and more. It never runs out. Okay, Like when you eat normal food, you get full. When you know God, you want more of God because he's so good. It's like finding the greatest natural food you've ever tasted and go, man, I want more of that. And you go back and you keep buying it and buying it and buying it and buying it. So, that's, what does it mean to know him? It means to have an intimate, intimate knowledge of, not about, of. Okay? What does it mean to keep his commandments? Does it mean trying to keep all the principles of the commandments? Is that what it means? Does it mean keeping certain days or foods or seasons or months? Is that what it means as a primary objective to keep the commandments? Or is it to fall in love? To actually have a relationship of intimacy with the one who created you, and through that, then love other people who he's created. 
with the love of heaven. Is that what it means to really keep the commandments? Which one do you think you can keep in your own strength? Which one? The first one. I can keep a day. I can keep a Sabbath. I can rest on a day. I cannot eat certain foods. I can keep certain things. I cannot covet another man's wife. I cannot steal. I can do all those things in my strength, in my own strength. But what I can't keep in my own strength is loving God with all my heart, soul, and mind strength. And I certainly can't love you with the love of heaven. That's impossible. What was the question I asked you? Do you think it's possible to love like God loves? Do you think it's possible right now? Do you think it's possible for you to love the person beside you and you don't even know them with the love of the Father? Lisa thinks yes. Some people look at me like, oh, whoa, now we're really turning up the heat a bit. <laughs> Told you it was going to get hot. Do you know it's possible, fully possible, if you know him? So then what does it mean to know him, Greg? Because the knowledge of God is the answer to be able to love like God. And I find it fascinating in these scriptures. Come with me, Colossians 2, 16. Colossians 2, 16. I'm going to go to 19. It says, Therefore no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Love those words. The substance belongs to Christ. Are you in the substance or the shadow? Do you live in the shadow of the tree or are you in the vine? Are you covered by the tree? Awesome. Grace is covering me, but are you in the substance, abide in me, I in you, so you're in me and I'm in you, that you would what? Have much fruit, life. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. Is that human love or agape? Right. So are we in the substance? Look at this. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement, which means belittling or humiliation of oneself. False humility. Oh, I'm just not. I just can't. Oh, no, 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 no. We can never do that. We can never get into that. No, no, you don't understand. We're just human beings. I'm just merely human. Self-abasement. Do you know where that comes from? The mindset comes from? Do you know where that wisdom comes from? That language comes from? The kingdom of darkness. You're not demonic, but the thought comes from that realm. Because it's anti what the scripture says. Anything that's anti the scriptures is demonic. The wisdom of the kingdom of darkness where we've all come from because our minds are still being renewed, aren't they? So we've come from one realm, we've been rescued, and God is renewing our minds to an experiential knowledge of God, which means our language now changes in an alignment to the truth. So I'm no longer in that self-abasement, that false humility. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's what it says. Don't let anyone rob you from the prize. See, if you listen to that stuff, there's a prize on offer. There's an inheritance on offer. And you'll listen to it and you'll become like it. And now you're being robbed from the very thing God has said that's for you. 
hope we, someone hears that today. There's a substance to come into and live from. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize for it by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels. This is taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. And not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows in a growth which is from God. Grows in a growth from God. Wow. You see, you can see stuff and get all carried away with that stuff. Great. Don't build your life on it. Build it on Christ. But we tend to want to chase those things. We tend to get carried away with healings and the signs and the miracles and all the supernatural because it actually can titillate the flesh. And those things are of him and from him, but you can get caught up in visions and all of a sudden there's just this hot air coming out of you. See, someone who's in the substance will naturally flow in that stuff and they won't make that stuff higher than Christ. In fact, you don't really even get too carried away with it. I don't see Jesus running around having a party every time he healed someone. He tended to heal someone, then he was off to the next thing. Why? Because it's just an outcome of knowing Christ. We don't spend too long getting all excited and set up all this. No, you move on because there's something far greater that God's moving you towards. Please hear me. I love it and it's part of the kingdom, but let's not get caught up in the wrong thing. Yeah? Because there's a substance to come into, and if we do, we won't come into the substance of life, which means our lives will struggle instead of being overcomers. And you can lay hands on people and see signs and wonders and still struggle with day-to-day life because you're operating in the gift and the power of God, and you're empty. Okay? So there's a fullness in God that we're about to unpack, which God says can be. What about Galatians 4, 8 to 11? So is this what it means? I'm just, is this what it means to keep the, the commandments? I don't think this is what it means in its fullest form. Galatians 4, 8 says this, However, at that time when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods, because the people were going back under things. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how is it that you turn back again? to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps you have labored, I have labored over you in vain. This is Paul talking. I've spent time and effort and God's strength in me and power and you're going backwards. You were supposed to be continually going forwards. So the day you invited Christ into your life, you received an inheritance of righteousness, robes, Isaiah says. And they're free. And so then you're to grow as a son and come into the fullness of sonship, the identity of sonship, yeah? So then you can live like the son. 1 John four seventeen: as he was, you will be. So it's a continuous God growth of maturing as a son. Yes? Very quiet. Talk to me. Give me some encouragement. Yes? So we're growing, maturing as sons. 
Why? Because we received our robe of righteousness that justifies us and then propels us forward into the process of growth and transformation. So why are these people going backwards and not forwards? In Christ, it's a perpetual motion of forwardness. On the revelation of Jesus Christ, I build my church and the gates of Hades do not overpower. So we go forward. Now you might stop for a little bit and then you go forward. It it says, don't look behind you. There's nothing good back there. Isn't that what the scripture says? It says if they had an opportunity to look back in Hebrews, they would have gone back. Because we think that's better there, even though it was crap when we were there, because we've forgotten how bad it was. So he's going, why have you gone back when you should be going forward into more and more and more and more because the church goes from strength to strength to strength because our eyes are being open and seeing 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 18. It's a movement of forward. Yeah? Can you hear the challenge then for us? Because right now you're probably going, man, I might spend more time going backwards than forwards. And God would say, I love you. Today's the day I want to let you know that. So you can turn around and start walking the right way with me. Because I love you. Anyone find that in your own home? You know, you have the culture of your home and you want to go this way. All the time. I'm growing up. No, I don't think the parents' rules are right. I want to make my own rules. And they loved. And they loved. And you figured out, yeah, no, that wasn't such a good idea. And then all of a sudden you come back to your parents and, sorry, that's okay. We knew you'd come back. Where we go. This is what it's like with him. But see, you have to recognize. If you don't recognize, then you can't acknowledge. And if you can't acknowledge, then you won't repent. And if you can't repent, you don't receive. But it's pretty hard to recognize where you're at. Because the Bible also said there's a way that seems right to you and I, but it ends in death. And sometimes you need someone else to come along and go, you're in blindness to this area. I'm going to show you. Don't shoot me. Because <clears throat> I love you. <clears throat> okay? So what you're about to hear is what I believe. These are the words that I've written down. Keeping the great commandments are. Okay? In its primary purpose. Does it mean to be sorry, does it, I'm gonna ask you a sort of a question. Does it does it mean to be literally able to love God and people with the love of the Father? Does it mean to love God with your entire being, being totally captivated by him, and have him literally at the core and center of one's heart? Is it about being totally devoted and dedicated to God first, putting him and his will first in one's life? Does it mean to love does it does it mean to love no one or no thing more than you love God? Is it to entrust him with your entire heart, being totally faithful to your covenant with him? Does it mean being able to love others with the love of heaven that is formed within you? A love that is patient, kind, not jealous, doesn't brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into an account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth, bears, believes, hopes, and endures all things. Now, 
I would really strongly encourage you guys, this is just my process of what I do when God starts to speak, is I have multiple books like this, and I am constantly writing. This is, I'm on to make my eighth one. So this is my process when I spend time with him, and this is where this, where this came from, and I start eating, he starts speaking, I start writing. And then he starts speaking about a whole lot of other scriptures. And all of a sudden, my time with him, I've just had a meal. I feel so full. And more often than not, what he's showing me is ultimately for me and also for someone else. So you run into someone and you have something to give them that's living because you've just received something that's living. Okay? So this is what I read because the question I ask is, what does this love look like being lived out? So that's what everyone asks you. Well, how do you, how, how and what does that look like? Because I just said what love is and the ability to keep a commandment, but what does it look like in a human lived out? Just my words, my opinion. Okay, so give it the weight of my opinion. We are incredibly patient with people in all areas of life as they learn and grow and develop as people. We are especially patient with followers when it comes to them coming into a relationship with Christ and a lost world. The Bible says God is patient in his return, not wanting man to perish. He is holding back coming so more people can come to know him. He has the ability to wait, and we are to have the same ability to wait. Can we love like this with all people, especially when there are no signs of people changing or being interested in him? People who find themselves with this love in them live for other people and put other people ahead of themselves, especially in the body. They are people of prayer, word, giving, discipleship, who live for others to receive from God and themselves. They are present to bring their part for the building up of the body. These people live for the Father's will and intentions. They are devoted to living for the Father and his ways. They are found in places they are found for the benefit of others, even when others have no concept of this love or appreciation of this love for them. When these people are wronged, they don't get offended or hurt and are able to love on the person or people who have offended them. They are full of love, so the love in them looks and aims to maintain oneness of spirit and peace with their fellow man. So the Bible says, Matthew, the peacemakers are. They make peace, they have the ability to make peace where peace isn't, to maintain oneness, Jesus prayed for oneness, offence is the greatest thing that rips the body of Christ apart they know who they are in Christ and are able to live as Christ lived, 1 John four seventeen. this people are able to be persecuted for living for Christ and his truth and love and pray for those who persecute them because of their lack of understanding and fear these people can love and minister the love of Christ when the people's behaviours doesn't warrant love. The keeping of these commandments are the outcomes of knowing God, meaning a true knowledge and growing knowledge of God. Proverbs 9.10, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Our primary purpose is the knowing of God, so we live in accordance to God's ways of loving Him first and then others. This is what it means to keep His commandments His way. Are we able to bear, believe, hope, endure all things because of the love of the Father that's operating in us? 
Are we able to model this behavior in reality and in so doing, keeping his commandments? This is an invitation we are given by God, not an obligation, but the invitation of a lifetime to be able to keep his commandments, which once again are the outcome of knowing God. As we come into this continuous knowing of God, we are fully capable and able to walk in the manner Jesus walked. We become Christ-like in every way, from internal transformation to an external demonstration. Because we know him, we keep his commandments the way he intends for them to be kept. Now, right now, don't feel small. Lift up your eyes. Hear the possibilities of a love that you can know and live from. Be inspired by what you just heard. Is that hard for us? Seek him. Hear and understand the word. Hear the possibilities. Yes, all things are possible. Say it right now to yourself. All things are possible. All things are possible in Christ. Could you save yourself? So do you think you can bring yourself into that love? Then stop trying if you are. If you cannot save yourself, you cannot change yourself. But I know someone who can. And he knows you. And you, I'm hoping on a journey to get to know him. So then as you know him and eat of him and drink of him, do you know what? You'll naturally live that out and you won't even think about it. You'll be like, how did that just happen? In the smallest of things, it may even be if someone cuts you off in the car, you might, your reaction might be F and blinding and whatever, or just might be, Ugh! and you're able, because of the love that's been formed in you, to go, that's okay. Yeah? I told you it's a big word. Luke 16, 16 to 17. Aren't you glad you worship a big God, though? And can I just can I say this? The level of reverence that I'm feeling right now is right. The level of awe that everyone I, I'm sensing, everyone is right, because it brings us into a posture of humility. It actually lowers us when you are shown the standard to which God holds, not your standard. See, the Bible says, if you judge yourself by yourself, that is unwise. Judge yourself by the one who judges this true standard because then that aligns you and actually creates the motivation to go, I need you. And now all of a sudden, the food that you're eating, you drop because you actually have true sight of what he's asking, but who he wants you to be. So everything he says is because he wants you and I, his church, to experience his life. He does nothing to pull you down. He does nothing to destroy you. He is not the God of punishment. He will, his wrath will come on people that don't know him. Once you know him, he will discipline you. But he does not punish you. Okay, And he disciplines you, what for the purpose? For good. To show you and I the life he wants you and I to live in. He goes, I want you to walk on water, Greg. 
I want you to love like I love. I want you to experience that, even if it's just for you. So you would know what life in me can be like. Not to worry or anxious. And when stuff comes, you've got a substance in you that's greater than that. Don't you want that? Then you have to know the truth. And you have to be able to go, well, this is where I'm really at. So then I can go after the full measure of Christ. If I can fit God into a box, he's not the God who created heaven and earth. Amen? Now listen to this, Luke 16, 16 to 17. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is forcing his way into it. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John the Baptist. Okay? So up until John came, law and the prophets. Jesus turns up. It's now about the kingdom. I'm fulfilling all of this. And now it's a new day. It's a fulfillment of what was, now is. So now the standard is being raised. And with the standard being raised comes my ability to raise it in you. So now I call you to a higher call, an upward call. Philippians 3, 14. I'm calling you to a life worthy of what? I came to fill you with me. It didn't happen here. It's a new day. It's a new message. So the way in which they kept the commandments there is different to what it is now because now you have my power in you to live this life. Now I'm going to pour out my spirit. It's happened 2,000 years ago. I'm pouring my spirit into you as you seek me and my power and my word so you can live a life that's above the earth. Jesus was the son from heaven, yes? Are you sons of heaven or sons of the earth? Right, so do you want that to be more of your reality? Do you want to live as a son from heaven or continue to live as sons of earth? See, we know this intellectually. And I'm not saying anyone that said that answer is not known experientially. But we have the answers down. Do you have the life down? Okay? We can whittle the answer very well. The rich young ruler did it. The lawyer did it. Tell me what the commandments is. Love the Lord your God. What does that mean, Jesus? He, the Bible says he tried to justify himself. So tell me what it means to love my neighbor as myself. I know how to answer Ooh, the living. Because why? Because if you can't save yourself, you can't live this life without God. It's impossible. And that excites me. It excites me that I can't do it. Why? Because I tried doing it and it got me nowhere. I tried. So I've learned the lesson. I tried. Man, wasted, maybe didn't. It's one of those funny dynamics, isn't it? If only, yeah, but if only you wouldn't have known that. If I hadn't gone there, I wouldn't have known that. So it's a new day. You're powered the Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Maybe that's something you need to get, have in your life. Maybe you need to get baptized in the power and the fire of the Spirit of God. Isn't that what John said? There's one coming. 
Matthew 3.11, there's one coming. He's higher than me. He's going to baptize, not in water. He's baptizing with fire and power. Do you know the fire and the power of heaven to live the life of loving the Father and loving God? If you don't, you won't be able to live this out. I'm sorry, you just won't. Because you haven't got the life source growing in you that enables it. You'll try to do it from your own strength and you'll get found out. Trust me, I tried. You know, when people come at you and they say not nice things about you and you know it's lies, you won't have the love in you that's able to love and pray. You'll have a monster in you coming out, shooting guns. When you're backed into a corner and you're innocent and they are slinging mud, what do you got? Because what you got comes out. And there's no way a human can get on a cross and go, Father, forgive them in human love. Hence, Jesus needed the Father's love and the power and the word to go through it. So do you and me. And God says it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Word says it's possible. It's possible. Let's come to verse 4. What's the time? This might be two parts. I might have to bump you, babe. <laughs> I'm just going to read this quick, okay? Because this, 1 John 2 verse 4. says, The one who says I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. I just want to be able to go through this verse by verse because it ends in good news. And this is good news. Everything in God is good news. There's no loss in God. Okay? Once again, God is for you. So everything God shows you, teaches you is good news. Isn't the word good news? Only on a Monday. <laughs> Only when you don't talk about that or that. I like that. That's great news. You saved me. But oh, that, oh, that one, oh, you know, you're telling me I might not be in you? Well, yeah. Because he says that the one who is able, I'll read it out again, the one who says, right there's powerful, isn't it? The one who says. So what he's saying is, can you back up what you say? We're good at saying, oh yeah, I love God. I love, I do, I, I, I do. See? So the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Christ is in us if we've received Christ, but he says you must be in me. You are to partake of me. It's a duality. It's a relationship. It's not one way. It's two way. In one position. I pray that you would be one as I are one. Me and you and me, Father, I and them, you and us. Okay? So it's two way. You get him and you for free. He goes, Now, are you going to partake of the Spirit and abide in me? And if you abide in me, what do we talk about? There'll be much. And what's the fruit? Joy, peace, the fruits of the Spirit. So if you abide in me, there'll be fruit. And fruit that's present is able to be given out, yes? So back to my illustration, then you're able to live it out. 
Because that's the evidence of the fruit, isn't it? So if I can't live it out, then I'm missing some evidence, officer. Okay? I can't live it out. So I'm falling short of something that he says I'm to live out. Why? Because the Bible tells me I'm not abiding. I'm covered by truth, but am I in truth? I'm covered by grace, but am I actually in? Am I abiding in the Christ? See, you can be covered by his shadow and still be not in the vine. The branch must remain in the vine. It's all the branch has to do, isn't it? You can disconnect yourself from the vine. How do I do that, Greg? By making emotional choices, you quench the Holy Spirit. If you live from your emotions, you will quench the Spirit of God operating in your life, which will disconnect you out of the vine. You're still covered by the vine, but you're in the shadow. You tracking with me? So you're in His love, you're in His family, but what you've just done, because you live from your emotions... Your mind, your will, and your emotions get entangled. You make decisions based around that. This is what happens in a fence all the time. When a fence comes, my emotions rise up if I don't have the fruit in me, and I make a choice out of my emotions, and I get offended or hurt. When the truth is in me to the measure I can, truth rises up, love, and it covers the offense. Isn't that what the Bible says? Love covers a multitude of sin. Not one. Why? Because I can. When I say I can't, I, I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about we. Okay? Because you can, because it's been done in you. Yeah? So he's not saying, what he's saying, when he says you're a liar, what, what, it's this. God knows all things, doesn't he? So he knows, he knows the true state of every heart, doesn't he? So he's saying... You don't intentionally believe you're a liar. You think you're in it, but you're not. You don't intentionally hoodwink yourself. You don't go, oh, actually, I'm lying. Ha ha, I'll say this. No, you genuinely think you are. And so when someone comes, it's offensive because you genuinely think there's a way it seems right to you. But if you, unless you can demonstrate the evidence of it, you're not. <laughs> it's horrible, though, isn't it? It's hard actually being me right now, having to deliver this, looking at some of your faces, okay? But I can because I love you. The reason I can say what I've been saying for eight years is because I love you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you answer questions you've probably always asked, wondering why, how come I'm falling? How come it's hard? How come? Because maybe, just maybe, you've disconnected from abiding and you need to get back into the vine. So then you can live this life because why? Because he wants you and I to be able to love like him. He wants, like Stephen, who was being stoned, to be able to go, Father, forgive them. Don't hold the sin against them because they don't know what they're doing. You imagine that church on the earth in a significant number. You wouldn't have buildings to be able to contain the people that would be here praising God. The glory of the Lord would literally fill the earth through the church's praises. Because you're in such a position of life, you're going, does it get any better than this? I once was dead, now I'm living. Beauty for ashes just happened through the power. It doesn't get better than being at the end of your life and then being resurrected to life. 
Why? Because of the word Jesus Christ. So you don't intentionally lie to anyone or yourself. You have been hoodwinked to a measure because our eyes are being opened continuously. Jesus said, blessed are your eyes because they see and ears because they hear. And in the very next chapter, he said, do you still not see or hear? I thought you just told me my eyes were opened and my ears were opened. Now you're telling me I still don't see and hear because I must be deaf and blind. Yeah, that's right. Because it's a growing, a maturing in God, as God is in me, he starts to lift up your eyes, all of heavens in worship. And you start seeing food of the eternal that has an impact now. Why? Because what did Tess say? The Holy Spirit's role is to lead us into all truth. You get all, start getting all truth. Do you think you'll be able to sit down? Do you think you won't be able to keep your mouth shut? Do you think that you're going to be on fire? Okay. And this is what he wants for you and I. So those that know, keep. Those that say they know, struggle to keep. We're going to leave it there. Okay. There's more. If you want to go and do your own, go to verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, down to literally 14. Ask the Spirit of God to open your eyes to see. Now I'm going to quickly just recap. You are her son. You are justified by his blood if you're in Christ. You are in his family. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There is conviction. We're not to live in fear, we're to live in faith. There is grace if we are moving from faith, fear to faith. Okay? He wants to grow you and I up into mature people. Yes? That's why he gives the gifts, five gifts and the other gifts, for the maturity, for the oneness of the church in Jesus Christ. I pray that my people would be one as we are one, Father. Why? So they can demonstrate you and I on the earth. So this is our identity. This is a purpose that we have, that you and I can be in such a life that we demonstrate the Father. Isn't that amazing? So do not let right now, or the enemy, or your own flesh, or your own emotions. Don't quench the Spirit of God through your own emotions and let you walk out that door saying, I'm a loser, I don't know God, I know nothing, I feel small. Please, I'm warning you now, don't do that. You are a son. You have been fearful and wonderfully made. You have been chosen before the foundations of the earth. You are holy, you are blameless. You have the power of God, the authority of God of heaven, but he wants to grow you into a full measure that you can live that out. So it is always two parts, and it's a duality, it's one position. Does that make sense? It's two parts, bringing it together, and that's the position of oneness in God, of the Spirit. So eat this week. Email me, this is what I got. Dialogue with me. Share food with me. I'm hungry. There's way more food that I'm eating. Give me some of yours. (laughs) And I'll give you some of mine. Is that cool? All right, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you are teaching us and you are loving us 
And you have been loving us, and you will love us in long-suffering, and you will love us in discipline. And you do both, which is a position of oneness, to grow us so we can receive the fullness of life, we can love you, we can love one another, and we can be the demonstration of you on the earth, that those that are lost wouldn't see a church on fire, and love would be the element, the core, the centerpiece of this church that would be a love for itself first and you, Father, and people. So God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would build, 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 build. You've received a building word today, not a blessing word. It's a blessing, but it's a building word first. Build, build, Holy Spirit, Build the church. Jesus builds the church. He doesn't just bless it. He builds the church. He builds the church. He builds a church that can overcome. He builds the church. So build, Holy Spirit. Build us into your image, the fulfillment of what that is, as a body first and as individuals. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. And I want to thank you for the openness today, Father, of my brothers and sisters and your children to stay with me and to hear what you want to say, which is hearing from you. So bring understanding, bring revelation. May we grapple with you, Father. May we wrestle with you, like Jacob did, to be touched and to walk differently. That man walked differently through wrestling with the Father. Wrestle with him. He loves to wrestle. You can wrestle all year at once. (laughs) Wrestle with him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.